sadly, we cannot have the Lord's Supper together. Now, there's ways that other churches have, are doing it uh, that you could have the Lord's Supper there with you, us in your home. Um, we prayed about it. We talked about it as a council. And I'm excited to do the Lord's Supper back together again. And I'm excited for that first Sunday when we all get together to take communion and think about what it means to be a church and think about what it means to come together and to be able to assemble. So we're going to wait until that day. And then we are going to make it so special but we're going to wait till we come back together uh, for that. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into God's Word. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this time. Prepare our hearts right now. God, I pray that uh, each and every household, each and every room, each and every place, and every believer, God, uh, that you would open our eyes to what you're doing, open our hearts to where you need us to change. God, help us to see the big picture of eternity and uh, Lord, help us to ask the question, uh, what are we doing for you? And, and how can we uh, please you today in what we do? In your name we pray, amen. Authority. Authority. That's not a word that we typically like to hear, right? It brings up images in our minds of policemen or of judges. And we kind of shrink back from that word authority. And many of us have spent a good part of our lives pushing against authority. Many of our popular and classic movies are all about pushing against and fighting authority. Footloose is all about a community that couldn't dance and they wanted to dance. So they pushed against the, uh, the, the authority there. Uh, Greece, uh, Hunger Games, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, The Breakfast Club. All of these are classics. Why? Because we love a good rebellion story. We love to think about fighting against authority. We even dream about telling off a strict teacher or pranking an annoying coach or thinking of an elaborate way that we're going to quit our job and get back at that dictator of a boss. Deep down, rebellion is ingrained in us. It's called our sinful nature. It started in the garden with Adam and Eve, pushing and rebelling against the authority of the final and supreme authority, God. Now that's when it gets dangerous, right? It's one thing to put a frog in the teacher's desk, and it's another to reject the authority of the creator of the universe. See, God is our final authority. He should be the ruler and the Lord of our lives, if you're a Christian, the foundation of your faith is a person. The foundation of your faith is a person, not emotion, not opinions, not circumstances. Jesus is the foundation of our faith, and Jesus is God, and God is in charge. God is our authority. Andy Stanley says this, Jesus is our foundation, why? Because he walked this earth, he claimed to be God, he gave us evidence supporting his claim, he died for our sins, rose from the dead, and went back to heaven in front of hundreds of witnesses. God is the final authority, and Jesus is God, so Jesus is in charge too. There was a moment when the Jews and the disciples realized that Jesus didn't teach like the scribes and the Pharisees and the prophets did. And they noticed that Jesus was different. 
Now, it was common in those days for religious leaders to quote a bunch of other teachers. But Jesus was different, and that made them uncomfortable. We'll see that in Mark chapter 1 in verse 21. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. So it's Sabbath day again. Jesus goes to the synagogue, which was his habit, this assembly of believers, and he began to teach. Verse 22. And they were astonished at his teaching. Why? It says because he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. Jesus preached differently. He preached not just what other people said, but as though he himself had authority over them. But he didn't just talk like he had authority. He showed them he had authority. Verse 23. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. So Jesus is teaching and all of a sudden this man with an unclean spirit yells out while Jesus is preaching. Now, this should prove to you that not everyone in the church is always there for the same reason, right? Not everyone in the church is saved or a follower of Jesus or a true believer. Now, I've had in my day some people be pretty distracting. I've taught kids. I've taught teenagers. I've taught adults. I've had, I had a lady one time while I was leading music and, and we're about to start preaching, she brought a cat into the service and she sat down in the back and it wouldn't stop meowing. I've seen some pretty distracting things in my day, but I imagine that this would have taken the cake. This demon-possessed guy stands up and says, leave us alone. We don't want anything to do with you. Why are you here? And this guy wants Jesus to leave the church so he can go back to the normal dead religion. See, before church was safe for him, even though he was obviously a wicked man with an unclean spirit. But now he says, get out of here. I want to go back to the service that didn't have anything to do with what God wanted us to do. God moving threatened him and he was scared. He says, I know who you are, Jesus. You are the son of God. That Jesus tells him to be quiet. Why? Because Jesus doesn't need a demon to stick up for him, right? So he casts out this demon, and the man is miraculously okay. Verse 27, and they were all amazed. So they questioned among themselves, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding regions of Galilee. See, look, this was not a normal church service. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'd have been pretty freaked out if I was there that day sitting in the crowd. But what they saw that day was that Jesus was different. And he wasn't just about healing people. He wasn't just about uh, turning water into wine. No, he even had power over the evil and wickedness of this world. This is what it shows us. It's not only can Jesus do a few things, he has all power. He has all authority. 
See, a preacher or a pastor doesn't really actually have authority himself. He only has the authority that God has given him through his word. And a good preacher is always going to not point you to what he says, but point you to what Jesus says. Because Jesus is the one with power and authority. Jesus is the one with power and authority. God is the one with power and authority. And what does that mean for us? Well, it means a few things. If Jesus is really the final authority, then pleasing him with our lives is all that matters. If he really is the end-all, be-all, if he is in charge of everything, then really pleasing him with our lives is all that really matters. And if Jesus really died for our sins, then we have no reason to doubt his love. So not only is he the final authority, but he laid down his, his life, the final authority laid down his life in our place. How much love does that show that he has for us? And if he promised to come back for us, we know that he has our best interest in mind. So not only is he a final authority, and not only does he love us, but he's going to come back for us. The Bible says he's preparing a place for us. He is not leaving us alone today. And if your faith or your hope rests on anything else than the person of Jesus, then you're building your life on a fragile foundation. Build your life on Jesus because Christ is the final authority. You cannot rest your faith. Uh, your faith. You cannot rest your faith on your ability to figure out the mysteries of life. And you might say, Man, I just don't get this about God. I just don't get this about God's word. Well, that's okay. You know why? Because you're not God. And if, if we understood everything and we knew everything, then we begin to start to rival God then, right? No, a God that that's big, that's gonna do things that we don't understand. And when we look out at the universe, we don't understand how it could all be there. That's good because that's what a God that could do all that would look like. But we must rest our life on the only firm foundation, Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, your foundation is a person, not emotions, not opinions, not circumstances. Jesus is the foundation of our faith, and because he is God, God is in charge. The thing that's so amazing is that we are only truly free when we realize that God is the supreme authority. Where's the freedom then, right? What are you talking about, Phil? How does that make us free? How can that be? I thought God loved rules, right? Thou shalt not this, thou shalt not that. God is the biggest rule follower in the world, isn't he? How can we have freedom when we bow ourselves to God? Well, remember, that's not the way that God started everything out here. In this perfect world, Adam and Eve had ultimate freedom in the garden. And he only had one rule, don't touch the tree. So God doesn't love rules. God loves you. But Adam and Eve, they choose to disobey, and now we have many rules. Why? To protect ourselves. God protects us with those boundaries. But because of rebellion, we lost some freedom. Because we pushed against the authority of God, we lost some freedom. One day, though, all those things are going to pass away for good. 
and we'll live in a complete victory and complete freedom in God's forever kingdom. The supreme authority of God has made the world not a world of chaos, but of order. You can't look around at the world, the seasons, the days, the weeks, the years, the planets, and not see that God is a God of order. Daniel 2.21 says he changes the times and the seasons. This whole thing was set up by God, and God has ways that he wants to do things. Romans 13.1 says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur uh, judgment. God is the supreme authority, and therefore he wants us to respect authority as long as that authority does not go against God. Now, we had a, a wrench last night come into the system. We've had, we have probably had about seven people uh, up here when we do this live stream, but doing our best to stay under 10 and stay far away from each other and, and you know, sanitize our hands every time we walk by the, the, the bottle. And uh, I've gone around and sprayed Lysol all over the building to the point that it's been hard to breathe. It may have even been hazardous to our health at some point. But last night we heard it was five is what they were recommending. And so we did our best today to make sure there was only five in the room. We had people up here uh, that recorded the, the worship service, and I was somewhere else, and we did our best to respect authority. We could probably say, well, churches are probably an exception. We're, we're essential business, and we don't. We could say all that, but we can do our best to respect the authority and listen to them. So we did our best today. So that means that we need to respect the Parents in our lives, kids, policemen, teachers, coaches, bosses. When we live under the authority that God has set over us, we have the most freedom. You still might not be convinced because the culture preaches that rebellion brings freedom. But is that true? That rebellion brings freedom. Well, imagine you're married, right? And some of you are married, so you don't have to imagine that. But imagine this, that you know, your marriage vows are under the authority of God, which they are, but you decide that you want to rebel against that authority, and you want a little bit more freedom. You don't want to just stick to one woman. You want to have a little bit of freedom to choose. You don't want to be tied down to one person. So you want to push against that authority that God set up, this thing called marriage. And you want to rebel against it. So does that bring you freedom? Uh, look over and ask your wife, right? Is that going to bring you more freedom? No, you're probably going to lose your wife. You're probably, if, if it's anything like my marriage and many of your marriages, you're, you're going to lose your best friend. You're going to lose that closeness with her family. You're going to lose those friends that you shared together. You're going to lose time with your kids. You're going to lose money with the divorce. You're probably going to lose your house maybe a car, that is not the way to bring freedom in your life. Rebellion against the authority of God isn't going to lead to freedom. No, freedom is found under God's authority. Well, how about this? How about you push against the authority of the local government? There's a speed limit sign. You say, hey, that's not a, uh, you know, that's not a, a recommendation. That's not a command. That's just a suggestion. 
right? That speed limit sign. I can go over that. Well, eventually you're going to end up, right, with no license. And you're going to be stuck at home on the couch. You're going to be riding your bike. And that doesn't sound like freedom to me, does it? Well, how about this? See if you get a promotion at work by constantly rebelling against authority. See if you ever get authority if you never live under someone else's authority. Try never doing what your bosses say and see if you get a promotion. No, you're going to get fired instead. Why? Because pushing against rebellion does not, uh, pushing against authority through rebellion does not bring freedom. You've probably heard teens say at some point, I cannot take my parents breathing down my neck anymore. I'm going to go and join the military because I want some more freedom. That's not how it works. Boy, they're in for a shock, right? Here's the thing. You can either live under authority or live in rebellion against authority, but the most freedom comes when we submit to the authority that God has put over us. Jesus, while he walked on this earth, even told the Jews to pay taxes to the Roman government. That doesn't seem fair, right? These, are, these were a sovereign people, and then this other people took over them. And now Jesus says that they need to pay taxes and to not defraud the Roman government. The Romans didn't even treat them that nice. Sometimes they even uh, you know, persecuted them. But Jesus said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Why? Because they were in authority. Was it fair? Probably not, right? I don't know that it was fair. Could those early Christians have rebelled politically and made that their cause, right? No taxation without representation. Would that have been justified? I think so. I'm an American. I I love those things. But if they, those early Christians, made that their priority, they would have missed spreading the gospel to the entire world. You can only have one main authority. And for Christians, it should be the gospel, We have to keep the main thing the main thing. If you're a Christian, the foundation of your faith is a person. His name is Jesus. He is in charge. It's not emotions, not opinions, not circumstances. Jesus is the foundation of our faith. And if Christ is the final authority, then pleasing him with all our lives is all that matters. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is in charge. God knows what's going on. You don't have to look around and say, although it doesn't make sense right now, you don't have to look around and say, I don't get what's going on. Did God fall asleep at the wheel? The old preachers used to say it this way when talking about uh, who is the Lord of our life, or who is the master, who is the authority in our life. But they used to say this, in your heart, there is a throne and a cross. If Christ is on the throne, then self must be on the cross. But if self is on the throne, then Christ will be on the cross. See, our natural inclination is to rebel against power and the authority of God. We must fight that. We must constantly be examining our heart to make sure that every thought is under the obedience of God. That process is called sanctification. 
where we look at something in our lives and say, that doesn't fit. I need to get rid of that. I need to get it right. Filtering our life and looking at everything. And every part of us that looks like Christ, we get to keep. Like that stays. That looks like Jesus, I'm going to keep that. But every part of us that doesn't gets put out. So that's our choice today. And I'm begging you and I'm trying to plead with myself here to choose to respect and to surrender to the authority of God with all of our heart, with all of our soul and all of our mind. Only then will you have true freedom. Make that our number one priority to only please God with our life and to submit to his authority. Surrendering our will and our wants and our desires and running those all through God and saying, God, what do you want? What is your will? What is your desire for me? And anything that doesn't line up with God, we say, all right, I don't want it. Why? Because God, you're in charge, not me. There is no negotiation. There is no bartering. There is no compromise. God, whatever you want, I will do it. I surrender. Maybe you're here watching with us today. I want to ask you to go ahead and just bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's ask ourselves. Because what is this about? This is not about just watching something and, and listening to some nice music. No, this is about us growing in our faith and continually asking God, what do you want us to do? Who do you want us to be? Let's run our motives and our hearts and our lives through that filter. Who is my final and supreme authority? Is it God? Or is it myself? Is it culture? Is it money? What is the final authority? What trumps everything else? Let's go ahead and take a minute and just ask God to search our hearts. Dear Jesus, we, we love you and we just praise you for this time together, this ability to be able to do this, God. We praise you for the beautiful day that you've given us outside to brighten our hearts, God. But I pray that we don't skip past this, Lord. I know in a second it's going to be easy to turn everything off and to go back to our day and to go back and check the feed on the news. God, but help us to ring in our hearts this phrase, God. Who is my final authority. And when decisions come this week, God, help that to ring in our hearts. Who is my final authority? Who gets the final say? 